much snuff to make a holy water dip snuff right there, man. That is tremendous. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, <clears throat> verses 7, 8, 9, and 10. I want to thank you for your love and support during these days with the homegoing of my dear wife and and you've been so kind to me, and not just this, but through the years you've allowed us to be a member, be a part here, even though <clears throat> I've traveled all over the country, and I've been in 17 foreign countries, and I've been quite busy. We were going to move in 2017, but her health was so bad that we just, uh, with her doctors and everything, but I appreciate your patience with me and patience with us. And we love being here. This is, this is our cup of tea. This is the way it ought to. This way church ought to be. And uh, you've got a wonderful pastor, and thank God for him. Uh, and don't take him for granted now. Don't do that. Don't do that. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, boys and girls, verses seven, eight, nine, and ten. If you have that, let's stand and stretch just for a moment. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter twelve. Verse 7, at least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given me a thorn in the flesh. Now, in the original, that's a mother-in-law. <laughs> Don't get mad. I love my wife's mother-in-law. <laughs> They're slow in the back, aren't they? Okay. At least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Least I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Interesting, isn't it? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, and I want you to circle this word, then, T-H-E-N. For when I am weak, then am I strong. That would be equivalent to an equal sign. Then am I strong. That's the title. That's the thought. Father, help me. Please, I want to be a help. I pray that you will flow through me. The Holy Spirit you put one more brick of truth in the wall of life. This is no accident that we're here this morning and the way we're, and, and how we're gathered and who we are. So talk to us. Please, Holy Ghost of God, we want you to have, not me to have liberty, but Holy Ghost, we want you to have liberty. So walk up and down these aisles, go from chair to chair and person to person, and talk to us where we're at, please. In Jesus' name, we claim your presence. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Heartaches are real. Heartbreaks are real. Ill health is real. Uh, burdens are real. 
troubles are real. Yes, we're God's people. Yes, we're saved, born again, on our way to heaven. But all those things are still real. Now, what an interesting statement that Paul makes. When I am weak, then, or equal sign, when I am weak, then am I strong. The word weak could be like the word powerless or helpless or hopeless. So sometime, most of the time in our life, we're going to come to an event where you say to yourself, well, I'm just at the end of my rope. I, I, this is just hopeless. What I'm facing is a, is a helpless situation. Now, when someone would say that to me as a preacher, a pastor, I don't know what to do. I immediately think of this verse. When someone says there's nothing, humanly speaking, that I can do to help me, I immediately think of this verse. When someone says, I'm powerless, I'm helpless, this whole thing is hopeless, I think of this verse. Paul says, then, it's a very important word, then am I strong. In other words, strong could be something like dynamite. It's a powerful word. So apparently Paul is saying there is power available in weakness. He is saying there's power available in helplessness. He's saying there's power available in hopelessness. So hold it. I did not say there's futility here. I said there was power here. A power of, of hopelessness. A power available in uh, helplessness. God is saying to us that there's a power available in weakness. Available in hopelessness. Available in helplessness. There is a, an amazing power available, not in knowledge of what to do, but in not knowing what to do. It's interesting. Available. Uh, that power is available at the end of the rope. It's available when you look to the left and look to the right, and it does no help at all. When I'm at the end of my rope, I have the most power available, he, he's saying. When I do not know what to do, I have available the most power. Don't leave me. When I have done all that I can do, I have the most power available to me. When I'm weak, I have available power. When I'm helpless, I have available power. When I, it's hopeless, I have available to me, it's available now, power. Jot this down, Psalm 4.1. Don't turn to it, just jot it down. Psalm 4.1. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. It's a powerful verse. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. You could define distress as hemmed in. When I'm hemmed in, have you been there? When I'm hemmed in, God said, don't panic because there's power available to you when you're hemmed in. How many times in 51 years of preaching have I found myself in a hopeless situation? 
helplessness or hemmed in, boxed in. Uh, thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. God is saying in that distress, in that weakness, victories are going to come. Uh, when there seemed no way out, let me stop and say, I'm glad I didn't run. There's something about us when we face something, we want to dodge it, run around it, not face it, not go through it. But you have to go through it. Or otherwise, you'll have no power. That sounds strange, but it's Bible. Every time it seemed hopeless in these years, every time it seemed helpless in all these years, every time it seemed like there was no way out, I, I didn't run. Didn't run. Enemy everywhere, but it didn't run. Troubles everywhere, but it didn't run. Uh, you see, there's something about people I've watched who've run from it that never have victory over it. Uh, God enlarges us in times of our weakness, distress, hopelessness, helplessness. The Bible says, Thou hast enlarged me in times of distress. Sometimes all we can do is just simply stand still and cry. Sometimes we just sit there and, and, and nothing to do but just weep. That's all. And by the way, I'm, I'm, that's a part of life. But there's, a, there's some power there that we've got to tap onto. There's some power there that's available. So we've got to get a hold of. We have to. If we're going to go through it. Listen to this statement. God has been waiting for you at the bottom. Let me say it again. God has been waiting for you at the bottom. God has been waiting for you at the end of the rope. That's where he is. God has been waiting for you at the end of the line. Don't miss this. God's power kicks in when our power kicks out. His omnipotence kicks in when our intelligence kicks out. His omnipotence kicks in when our power kicks out. His ability kicks in when our ability kicks out. His dynamite kicks in when our firecrackers kick out. His wisdom kicks in when our wisdom kicks out. His possibilities kick in when our possibilities kick out. His divinity kicks in when our perfection kicks out. His gold kicks in when our plated gold kicks out. His fullness awaits our emptiness. Our importunity is His opportunity. When our power is gone, His power is available. When our power is turned off, His power is turned on. Don't miss this statement. Human failure is the foundation of all spiritual success. I'll say it again. Human failure is the foundation for all spiritual success. Here's exactly what God is saying. Our helplessness is His opportunity. Our emptiness is His opportunity. Our hopelessness is His opportunity. Our weakness is is his opportunity. And the power of nowhere to turn 
is the beginning of real power. Just as real as the atom bomb. Just as real as the nuclear plant. When I get to the end of my rope, he throws me his rope. When I get in the pit, he throws me a ladder. My inadequacies are now his adequacies. Helplessness is the most powerful spiritual force available to us. It is simply trying to say you can't do it on your own. You can't do it. How'd you get saved? You didn't, get, you didn't make yourself get saved. You trusted Christ. You couldn't know where to turn. Baptism didn't work. Joining this church didn't work. Turn over a new leaf didn't work. None of this worked. And somebody told you to ask Jesus to, to save you. And you said, well, tried everything else. Uh, and I, 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 nothing else has worked for me. I guess I better call on Christ. And you did. And guess what? You got saved. You see, isn't it amazing that that's how we got saved when we gave up? But now the Christian life, we feel like we don't have to have a point in our life where we give up. But you got saved that way. Now you're going to have to serve that way. God will never overpower you. God cannot resurrect you until you die. So God then waits for you to die to self. He waits for you to hit the bottom. He waits for you in the pit. He waits for you at, in despair. He waits for you at helplessness. He waits for you at your wit's end. He waits for you at the end of the rope. He waits for you in the, in the dump with Lot. He waits for you in the days of defeat, of sorrow, of failure, of heartbreak, of frustration, of disappointment. When you come to the end of your rope, you just remember God has a better rope than you've got. When you come to the end of your wits, just realize he's, he, he's, you're a half-wit, and he's, a full, he's altogether lovely and wonderful and knowledgeable. And you've got to, you need those times. I need those times. So don't ever think that uh, because you got saved, you'll never have a problem. No, as long as they're deacons. Well, I know, moving along here. Uh, now, I'm just simply saying to you, it's, it, the key word is the word available. There's power in I can't see the future. How can there be power in that? Simply, I know the one who knows the way through the wilderness. I don't know it, but he knows it. The truth is, when you quit trying to save yourself, then you can get saved. When you quit trying the same to serve, when you feel like that you, oh, you're Mr. Personality, and you got it together, and you, 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 you think too highly of yourself. You're too big for your britches. And when you get to a point, and God will knock you down, and God will get you down, not because he's mad at you, not because he hates you, but he'll do it to all of us so that we can have the availability of power. Uh, so the truth is, the, what, the started out, I got saved that way. I, I gave up I, trying to save myself, so I trusted Christ. Now, in my service for him, I've got to have times where I just, I walk in the woods and I cry and I bawl and I squall. Oh, God, I've got to have your help. And God looks down and says, well, I'm glad you see that you need me. And if we're not careful, we're, oh, boy, we, we got it all together. We've crossed every T, dotted every I, and I'm for that. But the truth of the matter is sometimes God's going to allow things to happen in your life. And you're going to have to get alone somewhere. And you're going to have to say, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. 
all the great preachers of the past got to that point where they got alone with God and said, I can't do it. Lester Roloff takes a milk cow and goes to Baylor uh, University and gets an educated, comes out, <clears throat> and he depends on God. And God, God, do, God uses him. God raised him up. John Rice, God used him. Dr. Hiles, Dr. Robertson, all those great men, Dr. Tom alone. But all of them hit the bottom. At some point in their life, they hit the bottom. Well, it makes you think you ought to have just roses all the time with no thorns. The truth is, it's going to to come to you. And what you're going to have to do is realize, now here's the sermon, and I'm I'm going to quit. What time is it? I ain't believing this. I've I've got to add 15 points here quickly. Uh, That little word then, T-H-E-N, then, equal. You hit bottom. Well, how do I get power? What's available now? I'm at the end of my rope. How do I get power? It's available. I'm, it's a helpless. I'm hopeless. What am I going to do? I can't look to anyone for help. All right. You got to look to God. Now, here's how the power is available. Write this down. Keep on going. Write it down. Keep on going. Get out of your pity party. Get back up again. And get you a soul winner's New Testament tracks and go soul winning. Teach that Sunday school class. Be an usher. Sing in the choir. Play in the orchestra. Do something. You've got to get up and keep going. You've got to. You've got to. You've got to. That's why men who, who retire die within five years of retiring. Well, there, there's no gold. There's nothing. I'm at the bottom. What should I do? The power it kicks in when you decide to keep on going. To keep on going. Keep on going. Oh, I know it's been rough on you. I understand that. It's been rough on all of us. But truth of the matter is, I am not going to lay down and die. I'm not going to do it. And you've got to get up on your feet and do something for God. <clears throat> Some of you ought to be teaching Sunday school, but you're not. Yeah, we, we have a pity party. We come to church, and we walk, we're so sad, walking around, you know, waiting for somebody to come hug us. And they don't come hug us. You know why? Because they're having their own pity party. Don't give a rip about you. They're living, and we got to get over that. Do something for God. Influence people. Teach Sunday school. Get a bus route. Go solely. Do something. You've got to do. You've got to keep going. And if you'll do that, I don't care. I know it's bad. I don't, I don't even know your stories. But you, you, you're, you're, uh, you're breathing. You've got trouble. Now, you're at the bottom. What should I do? Get back up and keep going. That's the secret. That's it. Available? Yes. When I'm weak, then am I strong. Why? Because Paul kept on going and kept on going and kept on going. I believe Paul was married. I think his wife left him. Because you couldn't be a part of the Sanhedrin court if you you hadn't been married. And his wife left him. Uh, Well, what did Paul do? He rimmed the Mediterranean three times. Started all kinds of churches and all kinds of trouble. And you and I, well, okay, your wife left you. So what? My wife went to heaven. So what am I supposed to do? Sit down and die? No, I want her to live on. I want her influence to live on. I want Jack Hiles' influence to live on. I want Tom Malone and Lee Robertson. I love those men. I preach for those men. I love them. I preach in their churches. We preach together. We've got to keep going. You young men, when you have a time in your life and you feel like, boy, I just can't go on. Get up and go anyway. You're breathing. You're not dead. 
They didn't bury you. Get up and do something for God. And if we don't get that back in our crawl, if we don't get back in, let me tell you, don't you put the weight on the pastor to, to build a great work here. I want to come back and slap the whole bunch of you right now that I'm thinking about it. Do something. This is a team. This is a family. This is an army. Everybody's got to do their part. And if you will do your part, yes, you'll have the, at the bottom of the rope and the bottom of the pit and all that. But I'll tell you, you'll see God give you power. Well, the Hiles in 1989 was attacked viciously. He had some, he told me later, some, some vicious notes slipped under his door. Get ready to preach a national youth conference. And people in his church turning on him. Preachers around the country turning on him. And what did he do? He said, Brother Gray, I, I sat in my office with tears streaming down my face and said, I've got to preach in a minute to 6,000 teenagers out there. And, 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 and he was brokenhearted. He was, and you can imagine. So he reached and got a familiar sermon, he said. And he went out and just said, I am not going to die. I'm not going to die. And let me tell you, from 1989 to 2001, when he went to heaven, his greatest days were after that. When it hit him the hardest, he got up and went to work. That's when the Pentecost Sundays came by. That's baptizing five, six thousand in one day. Well, somebody say amen. amen. One day. One day, huh, from a preacher who thought it was all over and he was down and just about out, but he said, I've got to preach to those teenagers. I've got to keep them fired up. I've got to keep winning souls. And he kept on traveling more than ever. Why? Because that's where the power was. And God said, I can trust him. I can trust him. I want God to trust me. When I talk to people, I'm going to get on a plane. Tomorrow I'm going to fly home, try to take care of business, get here as fast as I can. And uh, I'm going to sit on that plane. The guy sitting next to me, if he don't want to be witness to, he shouldn't be sitting there. <laughs> Let him get his own travel agent. That's not my fault. Now I've had him listen, had him not listen. I had a guy in Atlanta push the button, the stewardess came back, and he said, I am not going to sit here next to the Bible-thumping Jerry Falwell, Jr. I have my Bibles out. He said, find me another seat. He was mad. I didn't even say anything. And the steward said, uh, sorry, this plane's full. There's no place to go. He got up, went back, stood by the restroom for two hours. I'd rather sit next to me. <laughs> Stinking restroom. You, have you ever flown? Do you know what? The, 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 moving along. Uh, now, I'm just, I'm just, uh, look, I, I, I know what it's like to be turned on. I know what it's like to be thrown on the bus. I know what it's like. But I stood for what was right. And that's where the power is. I don't care how bad it is for you. I don't care. Quit, 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 quit feeling sorry for yourself. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. The people that got the real problem, the unsaved people. They're the ones going to hell. You're born again. You're going to heaven. Well, let me check you out. I mean, you're saved this morning. Let's see. I could do my soul winning here, I guess, huh? Now, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying to you, you're saved. You're born again. What in the world are you feeling so sad about, sorry about? You're going to heaven when you die. My wife is on the streets of gold this morning. No pain, no heartache, no more surgeries, no more doctors. And I, I, there's no lawyers up there. They never made it. Uh, but I'm just saying, look, but 
get, get, get up, get moving, do something, do something. You have a pity party, ain't nobody going to show up. You want somebody to feel sorry for you. I ain't feeling sorry for you. And you ought not feel sorry for yourself either. I've got books to write. I hope I can get three more books out this year. I, I've, got, I've got places. <laughs> I've got a South, Central America, South America. I, I quit going because my wife was scared. I was going to get down there. Something happened to me. And so I, I, I quit those soul winning clinics. Well, I'm, I'm revving them back up again. I'm going to Central America. I'm going to hold some soul winning clinics, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep on. As long as God gives me breath, I'm going to keep on going. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean I don't sit down and cry sometimes. That don't mean somebody sends me a vicious letter or something like that. And now, when I pastored, I'll tell you what I did. I gave the vicious letters to the secretary. I said, read the mail. Now, she was backslid, but I wasn't. But it, it happened. You may not believe this is going to shock you. There's some people who don't like me. Well, they're not laughing. What is that? Uh, they don't like Dr. Tom Neal. They don't like me. Because we stand for the old-time religion. You've got to keep, please keep going. Dad, I know you lost your job, and you, you don't know what to do. You don't need a pity party. Go put some applications. Get busy. Church members are sitting here today. If you're not doing something in this church, you get yourself busy and do something. You'll be the happiest you've ever been in your life. Live for someone else instead of yourself. Then, when I'm weak, then am I strong. Do something. And the Holy Ghost of God will he'll re-energize you. I promise you. Because God promised it. Let's stand our heads about.